direct from the six, world-renowned, Canada's largest city, with Canada's biggest thinkers, visionaries, and hustlers. This is Startup Talk, featuring the founders, funders, innovators, and community leaders who've led Canada's startup ecosystem right here in Toronto. You'll hear the challenges, the failures, the successes. Toronto's Startup Podcast gives you the full story direct from the entrepreneurs and influencers who've made a difference. Now, the host of Startup Talk, the founder of Toronto Starts, the Startup Coach. Welcome back to Startup Talk. It's a Startup Coach here. And on this episode, I talked to Soban from Sobe Systems down at the CNE Innovation Garage. I also met up with Canary down at Fundica, and we talk about free cloud services for startup. All this and more on Startup Talk. It's a startup coach here, and I'm down at the CNA Innovation Garage, and I'm here with Soban from Sobe Systems. Uh, he won your category. Um, you won $5,000 yesterday. Can you tell me a little bit about your category and your company and what you thought of the pitch competition? Sure. Uh, well, thank you for having me, Craig. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, we're at the CNA, and we just won the, uh, the Home and Everyday Living competition. Uh, so we won $5,000 there, and it was for really any products that are evolving the home technologies or anything for everyday living. Uh, some great companies were out here today, uh, well, yesterday. And uh, ours is on carbon monoxide energy efficiency for the home. And uh, so what we develop is a monitoring system for the heating and cooling device in the house. So to prevent carbon monoxide exposure during the winters, for example, uh, because what we found is the largest number of incidences for carbon monoxide occur during the winter times, particularly because people neglect to monitor the heating systems. So we've developed a monitoring system specifically for that, so monitors your HVAC. And in the event of a carbon monoxide, we're shutting the whole system down before any of the gas comes into your breathing space. And on top of that, what we're doing is we're monitoring the energy efficiency. So what you see right now is GHG emissions for the world are increasing. We see global warming happening, but people don't really think about it. And one of the driving factors is the HVAC systems in the buildings, the HVAC systems in the homes, and people don't monitor those things. So that's what we've kind of evolved into as well. Um, and then on top of that, it's the carbon monoxide exposure. One thing that people don't really recognize is the detectors that you have in your home, by the time these alarms go off, your room's already filling up with gas, or it's already filled with gas. And it's something that causes hundreds of deaths every single year during the winter time. In a three to four month period, you see like three, four hundred people die because of it. So we're like, you know, there must be a better way to do this. And the way we actually approached this problem was my dad's in an HVAC contractor. And about two years ago, he came home from work one day because he heard a rattling from one of the, the client's heat exchangers. And the heat exchanger is the part that heats up the air as it passes through the ducts. I uh, came home and said, this was the problem, and the family had a carbon monoxide leak. They had no idea they were sick for a few days and what the cause was. Um, and he's like, it was a heat exchanger. The carbon monoxide levels were out of the roof. The family was feeling sick. They didn't know what it was. And I'm like, well, isn't there a monitoring system for that, something that should you know, detect this? And he's like, I've been in the industry for like 20 years. haven't found anything like that in the residential industry. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's see if we can do it. And at the time, I was working at um, Pratt & Whitney doing some engine designs, and I was finishing my PhD as well in aerospace engineering. And I'm like, you know what? I've done all this engine design. I've done, I work a lot with sensors. So maybe I can come up with a solution to this. Maybe a monitoring system. Started doing research in patents. Started doing research on the, on the internet for products. And I'm like, nothing like this really exists. So, hey, why don't we be the ones to create it? And so it started off as a carbon monoxide system. Kind of went through over phases. We developed it better and better. Um, got companies on board with us that were interested in it. Saw the value because the heating companies have this problem. And what value it adds to them is they don't know a lot of times when they need to go perform maintenance for the homeowners. And they want to create a deeper connection with their clients as well. So we said, hey, we have a product for you. It'll deepen your 
engagement with your customers simply by you're going to know before anything's even going to go wrong with the system. You'll know what the problem is in advance. And you can say, hey, we're going to come in, service your product for you because it's added value to your customers. You're engaging them better and giving them better customer service. And that's what people want in the HVAC industry. So it's not only safer now for, for the HVAC systems, but it's also creating more energy efficient system as well. So like 60% of the energy efficiency from your filter comes from the uh, from your HVAC system comes from the filter. And a lot of people either neglect to monitor the filters properly or they wait the entire winter before they change them. And if they wait the entire winter or the entire summer, what ends up happening is the filter, their, the entire HVAC starts degrading performance. And so that leads to an extra energy being wasted, extra money being put into the hydro bills. And so we're like, you know, this product serves that purpose. It'll reduce the amount of efficiency. It'll increase your efficiency simply because um, you're going to know when you need to change your filter, for example. You have the thermostats right now. They're, you know, three months, four months. Change your filter today. Change your filter tomorrow. Um, but they're all based on predetermined time frames. We're going after the actual performance of the HVAC system and saying, you need to change it now because this is when, it's, when your system is becoming less efficient. Based on that, there's probably an ROI just from an efficiency point of view by implementing your system. Absolutely. Um, when you just simply look at um, the, the industry, for it, it's growing into like the billions, and it's even increasing beyond that. And even like Enbridge, for example, they're, they're, they're introducing uh, energy-efficient programs for all the new homes. So every new house that gets installed, they want energy efficiency systems in there because we see global warming is affecting us. Um, and we, we're trying to move towards more of a more sustainable city, and that's what our aim is to get into. So sustainability, not just for residential, but for the entire commercial sector as well. Um, simply, residential was one way to start with it. So your clients are businesses, the HVAC companies. Precisely. So we're going after the B2B market right now. So we're providing the HVAC contracting companies with this product, and they'll be installing and distributing for their homeowners that they have available. At the same time, it gives other homeowners there's new clients, an incentive to call the HVAC companies and say, hey, listen, we want this product. Once the HVAC companies move into their houses to install the unit, they say, listen, we'll do a tune-up for you. This is what we can also add for you because the HVAC companies, they don't do door-to-door sales and they also need an incentive for homeowners to call them. So it adds to their portfolio at the same time um, and really increases the reliability and the safety of everything that they're offering their customers as well. So how do you find new clients? Like B2B is always hard. What's your best platform, your best way to get in front of? So pick up the phone. Um, what we've realized is picking up the phone, making a call, you'll get a bunch of no's. You'll get a bunch of, hey, it's not the right time of the year. But, and, and it hurts. Sometimes you pick it up and it hurts. It hits you right in the heart. Um, but you put the phone down and you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pick up the next call. And you got to be able to put a smart, like a smile on your face, pick up the next call, deliver it exactly how you did the last guy. Um, and I think this is something that's probably relevant to all startups. Um, what ends up happening is people get deterred because they hear a no, but you really need to understand that just getting a no, just maybe it wasn't the right time. Um, we actually had, I was actually part of Next Canada as well, and they have some an incredible program. And what they helped us with, we had a, uh, um, a gentleman come in from Brendan Callahan. He came in from uh, uh, Portage Ventures, and he gave us a talk on sales and how you should be doing sales. And he was saying, you know, when you pick up the phone and talk to someone, what ends up happening is the first reaction they're going to have is a knee-jerk type reaction. They'll say no because either they weren't thinking about you or they were doing something else. So it could just be an initial knee-jerk reaction. So what you want to do is kind of engage them a little bit more, see what it is that they want, add a little bit more flavor into your talks. Um, you know, and honestly, from that talk, sim- simply from that, I, I pick up the phone the first few times, I'd get a no. I'd be like, okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Maybe I'll call back later. And then after that, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll just try to push it a little bit further. Um, and that's exactly what happens. So I push them a little bit further. And then next thing you know, I'm talking to the president of the company and they're saying, hey, come in, let's have a meeting tomorrow. 
Um, yeah, <clears throat> there's definitely a lesson to be learned there. And I, uh, I run an incubator program uh, called Startup Launch. And one of the first things in the first week of the program, I forced my startups to go out and pitch at our open pitch social every month. And almost every time, two or three will come back. Well, that guy was a jerk. You know what they said to me? And it takes them a day or so to cool off and say, well, great. Now let's have answers to those questions. How do you respond to that? Like, this is one person or two people or five people's response. You're going to have to have, deal with that. And they, uh, they eventually come back. And yeah, you need to pitch a hundred times at least. And the same thing with the cold calling. It's that you're pitching and you do it a hundred times. You really get better, but you can't just run the script. You have to, why are you not, why are you not saying no? What, what is, uh, missing from my proposal or what is the one thing that would make this, uh, uh, must have product for you? That kind of thing. Start finding the questions where you're pulling information out of, uh, reducing the friction for the sale. And how much you can do that to push them a little bit further, a little bit further to make that happen. That's that's one hundred percent correct. And one thing that we actually, so one thing that is was a bit scary for us as well. Um, when you're doing B two B, sometimes you don't have that many customers that you can call out to, and you're afraid of, hey, if I reach out to like ten of my customers and ten of them I don't pitch it properly to them, then they're not going to want to deal with me anymore in the future. Um, whereas if you're doing B2C, it's, you know, we've got millions of people we can pick up the phone and call and it's not going to hurt us because we've got another million sitting somewhere else. The problem is with that mindset of, okay, I only have 50 customers, for example, that I can make a cold call to. And if I jeopardize my chances in the first two of them, well, I'm afraid to jeopardize them even more with the next ones. Uh, that mentality, I think, kind of needs to change. And that's what I was able to change a little bit about myself. Um, you know, you pick up the call, you, you create a connection with the people. That's what I realized is even more important. You create a connection with whoever's over the phone, whether it's, you know, um, the secretary or if it's the president or general manager, whoever it is. If you create that connection, even if your pitch doesn't go that well the very first time, you can, again, pick up the call, say, hey, listen, um, I, I, this is what I talked to you guys about. Would you be really interested? We've, you know, brushing up your pitch a little bit more and then you can call them again and most likely it'll move to a point where, um, okay, you know what, just come in. It happened to me. Like I called the company and they, were, they weren't interested at the time, but I said, okay, would it be a better time if I call you next week or what would, it, what would intrigue you a little bit more? And you get that feedback from customers and then you take that feedback, you either give it to new customers or you give it back to them again. Because then that's what they want to hear as well. They want to say, that's what you're offering us? Okay, so now you're delivering it to us. So it kind of works that way. And always show them progress. With investors, with the customers, if they, you know, turn you down for one reason, you come back with a better pitch, but at least you're addressing their problems differently or addressing a different type of problem. Um, I, again, I I tell people to talk to investors early on, but from a point of view is, um, you know, at what point would I be ready and when should I talk to people and who should I talk to? Not so much as... Where do I get money now? Well, it's like, what kind of tra- traction would you like to see? What kind of things would you like to see? And who should I talk to? And what, and if you talk to him again three months later and you've talked to the people they told you to talk to and you got some traction and you talk to them again six, three months again after that and they see you're moving, they are way more likely to take a meeting with you, invest in you and all that kind of stuff because they see that progress. And, and I 100% agree with that. And I would echo that because um, at least what we've seen as well, when you talk to investors or if you talk to even advisors or anyone, what they want to do is they want to get involved in what you're doing. They want to know that you have the passion for what you're doing, that you're, you're fully invested in it yourself. You have the right team for it. And even... And what some people are afraid of is telling investors the bad news or even telling you know, their advisors the bad news. And that's not necessarily a good thing because you want to have that transparency because these are people that are trusting you. You want them to trust you. And the one way you create trust is through transparency. And when you're open with them and say, listen, this is what we're doing. We do have this progress, but we're lacking in these aspects. 
well, maybe they have an advisory board that can help you. Maybe they know someone that can push you even further. So having that network as well is 100% valuable and being open with them and showing them that, okay, there is progress, but at the same time, there are parts that we're lacking. And that's the part that I feel like a lot of people are afraid to talk to investors and advisors about, but it's the one thing that they're probably more keen on knowing. Not everyone wants to hear only the good news. They also want to know what the bad news is. Um, because the bad news, and just by saying it, it doesn't mean that your company's doing bad, but it could be a way that they could help you fix that bad and turn it into a good. Yeah, and it's also an indication that you recognize that not everything is going well and you need help here and there and you're going to speak up. Hey, like this isn't going well, can you help me? And yeah, let's fix this. And great, you're off to the races rather than burying it for six months and it comes out later. Exactly. Definitely uh, great. So talking about trade shows, is that something you go to now to talk to? Yeah, so to, to the investors. Yeah, yeah. Or, not, or more so for clients, the B2B clients. Yeah, so that's what we've tried to do uh, more recently is go to trade shows. So last year, uh, we went to the home show at the CNE, and then we went also to the, uh, the OC Discovery. We were there. Um, and you meet a lot of great HVAC companies. And honestly, the one thing is just approach people. Um, sometimes you don't know who you'll meet that knows someone. And it's happened so many times, like... Honestly, I, I can't even count the number of times where I'd met someone. I'm like, listen, this is what we're working on. They're like, hey, we know someone at this company. And it's like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, can you give me an intro? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. So being friendly with people, getting to know people, I think that's like that network that you create. Um, what some people are afraid of is creating that network. They feel they're afraid to be rejected. And it's okay. You know, you get rejected all the time. Um, but it's part of the life of being an entrepreneur. You get rejected, but you got to take those rejections learn from them see, to get a lesson out of it and then move on to the next one. Either take a lesson learned or say, you know what, maybe what I was doing was wrong. Um, I could pitch it differently. You got to understand your audience as well, right? Um, so every pitch is going to be different between audiences. So if you're investing, to, if you're pitching to investors versus the advisors versus the consumer, it's going to have a different pitch. Um, and that's what people need to understand as well. So like one pitch deck does not fit all. You have to have different pitch decks. And if I was um, coaching someone in your industry, I would say things like, uh, instead of just going to a trade show, why don't you host a conference? Hosting a conference is really easy. One, a couple of reasons. Why? You host it scheduled six months or so in advance. Um, you host that, you, you post on LinkedIn and everywhere that you're hosting this conference and you're looking for speakers. You start connecting to everybody in the HVAC industry because they're hosting that. You make it free, you start reaching out to influencers who are speakers, you start making all the connections and you make it about how do you make your uh, drive efficiencies and do that kind of stuff. And next thing you know, you got a room full of your audience and you've made connections with all of them and they know you and they're looking for you to be a speaker or uh, put them on the podium and that kind of stuff. And it changes the dynamic and it's something you, know, you might want to consider. 100%. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually amazing that you mentioned that it's something I've been thinking about. Because uh, what I realized, like when you go on LinkedIn and when you see all these uh, social media networks, there's always influencers, there's thought leaders. Uh, and what you want to do is put yourself out there. You know, put your thoughts out there. Even if it's a wrong thought, not to this extent where it's completely um, irrational, but if it's a little bit incorrect, you'll have somebody that will correct you. Yeah. And you have to be willing to accept that as well um, and learn from it. Now, in terms of hosting church, that's, that's absolutely incredible. Because once you do that, you're... One thing is you don't always have to ask people of, hey, this is what I want help with. It's really nice to give back, even if it's the customers or the clients. Hey, listen, this is what you can be doing for your company to make it better, to progress. And once you do that, then, okay, then you're becoming a thought leader in a positive way, not just a needy way. Um, and that's what customers want to see. That's what people want to see as well. That's what companies want to see, you know. And by doing that and taking these uh, leaders that you're now connecting with and promoting them by making them speakers and panelists at your event, you're also 
helping them promote their product and be successful, never mind educating and helping the whole community. Exactly. So it's, um, a lot of people shy away for, for some reason, but it's very powerful to get you a lot of contacts. And next time you call those companies, the people who are visited or attended or a part of it, oh, they're going to remember who you are and they're going to talk to you for a few minutes. They're not going to immediately say no. 100%. I completely agree with that. So do you have any parting advice for our uh, young entrepreneurs? Honestly, uh, if there's something that you love doing, just just do it. There, there's gonna be, there's always gonna be critics. They're gonna tell you no, you can't do it, or you don't have enough money, or you don't have the, the resources to do it. But if you really love something, you can do it. And honestly, that's that's what I found. Like when I started, I took the tuition that I was supposed to pay for university, and I'm like, you know what, I want to do this business. So I put that towards my business, and that's kind of how it started growing. And then we went to pitch companies. You put yourself out there. The more people you get to know the more you grow. You grow, you make your own resources. If you don't have them available, figure out a way to get them. You know, there's there, like it, it's, it's a world where we can get what we need. We have the availability to do that. Social media has made it so easy. And there are people that are willing to help. And that's what, kind of what I see that people don't necessarily see as well. You know, CEOs want to help. CMOs want to help. People like yourself, right? You guys want to help us growing our companies. And, um, and that's amazing to see. Just that environment is fantastic. And being a part of it is, is something that it, it nurtures, you know, your growth and everything like that. And so if you, if you want to build something, do it. Just just close your eyes, say, listen, I'm going to do it full force and just push. And there's nothing going to stop you. And the other uh, thing I'd suggest on top of that is join a community, whether it's uh, Toronto Starts or TechTO here or any startup community in your area that you uh, align with. Because entrepreneurship is not a solo sport, and it's easy to give up, but if you surround yourself with other entrepreneurs and create a bit, they will inspire you to keep going. Yeah, 100%. And like one last thing as well. Um, so I was part of Next, as I mentioned, Next Canada. And uh, the one thing that they started touching on as well is like mental health. Um, and honestly, sometimes it feels like a very lonely road. Yes. Because um, there's so much stress on you, and you have so much to bear. If you have employees, if you have contractors you know that you have to have enough funding for them to, you know, they have obligations, they have families. Um, and you know that, so it builds a lot of pressure on you. And to know that there are other people out there that are willing to help, just other, just communicating with other uh, members of the, the entrepreneurial society, like the community, the community uh, it really helps because you just get this, this sense of, hey, listen, we're on the same page. You're going through the same thing I'm going through. You talk about it openly, and it just it feels like this huge weight's lifted off your chest. So just the value of having that community and being a part of it is, is incredible, and that's something that's priceless. And so, you know, mental health is really important. Exercise, um, eat properly, but get, get the right amount of sleep. And it's going to be hard, of course, when of you're course. building a company. Yeah. It's going to be incredibly hard to get the right amount of sleep, but... Um, you always have people that will help you. Even if they're not in the same industry as you, they're willing to help you. Your fr they become your friends and that you really become a family at the end of the day. And we've always been community first with over 15,000 active uh, members here in Toronto. Um, we run startup socials every month allowing people to come and pitch their ideas, open pitch, and a bunch of other. And the point is that if you join our community, membership is free, um, that you're going to see people again and again. Um, and these people become your friends and the people you lean on. A lot of people in entrepreneur lifestyle, they don't have um, the people in their life and their regular day-to-day -day aren't entrepreneurs. They don't understand. They don't understand that 
if you're not doing something, something's not getting done, that you have to push your business forward because no one else is going to do it. So uh, joining a community and being part of people who understand that's important. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So how do people find out about you and your company? So sure, you can either go online at www.sobisystems.com and that's S-O-B-I-E systems.com uh, or you can actually find me on Twitter at at Sobisystems. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Soban Etamadi and Instagram at Sobi Systems as well. And all those things will be in the show notes. Thank you for coming out today. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. Really appreciate your time. Hey, it's a startup coach here, and I'm back at Fundica, and I'm talking with Eric from Canary. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Oh, well, thank you so much. How about you? I'm doing great. It's been a wonderful uh, event today. Um, what does Canary do? What does Canary do? Uh, great question. We're a uh, not-for-profit that's funded by the federal government of Canada. And today we are talking about our, our DARE program, which is free cloud resources for Canadian entrepreneurs. Can you say that again? Oh, yeah, sure. It's uh, I mean the free cloud resources? Free cloud resources. Yeah, so completely free and 100% risk-free. So we are a not-for-profit. So we uh, it's uh, the one catch is that it is for development and testing purposes only. So building your product and testing it out on our cloud, awesome stuff to do. And then once you're done and ready for commercialization, then you move on from our cloud to AWS or Microsoft Azure or Google, any cloud platform of your choice. And how do you differ from, say, maybe getting on some of the uh, Amazon Web Services or uh, Microsoft Azure credit programs today? The credit programs. So the biggest difference is, for one, we don't require a credit card for signing up, which is a big deal. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, we do offer a very similar thing to what Amazon's free tier does. The big thing is that we have unlimited bandwidth. So we don't. When you're coming and going out of the server, that's where you're going to start hitting some bills with Amazon. So you might have some decent resources to work with. And they have Amazon has great services, not knocking on Amazon. Um, but uh, we, you'll never get a bill from us. Yeah, that's the big thing. You're free. You never get a bill from us. You're funded by the government. Mm -hmm. um, why are you here? Uh, we're here just to promote awareness and talk to some entrepreneurs. You get a lot of excited entrepreneurs out here. And we just kind of feed off that energy. It's great. So who should reach out to you? Reach out to us um, if you are just starting a business idea, you already have a business idea, or you may even have a commercial product and you're like, oh, I want to develop a new feature or do some testing. Like That's what we're here for. We're here to help development and testing. So pretty much at any stage, come and give us a shout, maybe at canary.ca slash cloud and just give us a read. Canary.ca slash cloud for free resources for startups and entrepreneurs. Let's get yeah, that happening. Thank you fantastic. very much. No worries. Thank you so much. This has been Startup Talk, Toronto's startup podcast. For more exclusive content, the episode vault, and to be part of Toronto Starts community, visit torontostarts.com. Get your name on the newsletter mailing list and check out our upcoming events. For more episodes, subscribe now. And please recognize the time and work behind the scenes put into connecting you with the biggest visionaries, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Toronto by leaving a five-star review. Join us for more next episode from Toronto's most active entrepreneur and startup community on Startup Talk.